All right, Alexander, we are joined with the one and only Patrick Lancaster to talk about what is happening in Ukraine. And we will probably focus on Avdevka. To everyone that is watching this video, you can follow Patrick's work on YouTube and on Rumble. I will have those links in the description box down below, as well as a pinned comment. Definitely follow Patrick and all the great work that he is doing in uh, in the region, Alexander. Let's uh, let's talk with Patrick about uh, what is going on in Ukraine and what is happening in Avdevka. Indeed, let us indeed, because of course Patrick is there. Patrick is on site, and I believe you've just been to Avdevka, um, Patrick. Is that correct? And of course, you know this well, area really just, well. Uh... Yeah. Uh, well, let me start by saying uh, definitely uh, appreciate appreciate you guys having me as usual. Uh, it's a ple pleasure to be here, and I appreciate the help getting the word out to the world what's really happening here. Um, now, I just literally moments ago came back from near Avdivka, not ex actually in the city itself, but a, um, a refugee center that has been set up by Russian forces uh, to assist the um, refugees coming from Avdivka, the ones that were still in the city during the whole battle. And I literally just uh, spoke to several of them who just an hour before were in the city itself, which is actually uh, starting to heat up a bit more. For the first few days after Russia took control, uh, it got a little bit quiet, as I understood, is stand in the city itself because Ukraine was retreating. But now the, the information I'm getting is Ukraine's kind of stopped retreating there and uh, firing back at the city uh, with a pretty good amounts of ammunition. Uh, that's what the, um, the refugees uh, told me. Um, so, I, yeah, I spoke to many of those about the situation in Ivdivka, and of course, I've been covering the events this week here in Donetsk. Right, tell us about what's happened in Ivdivka. What are these people saying? I mean, it's incredible to me, listening to you, that there were people, civilians, still in Ivdivka throughout this war and throughout this fighting, because my impression is, especially over the last couple of weeks, the fighting was of unbelievable intensity. And we had yet, uh, the day before yesterday, uh, the Russian defense minister, Shoigu, saying that they carried out, the Russians were carrying out around 460 bomb strikes, airstrikes on Avdevka a day, which seems, again, an incredible number in a relatively small space. So what, what are these people saying about that? How do they describe it? How do they felt feel about the way the battle happened well they said the battle was just uh hell as they uh, put it and but one thing that was overwhelmingly uh common with all of the refugees that i spoke to is they said they had been waiting on russia to come and um and they they're happy to be on this side of the line now. They said, many were said they've been waiting for 10 years uh, for Russia to come to Avdivka. And um, 
and there's still many refugees in or people residents in Divka now that haven't been evacuated or had the chance to evacuate or some of them one family member of a person I spoke to today she had to leave her family member there because he wanted to not leave his city and stay and help in the uh, rebuilding in the the immediate uh, rebuilding and help of the situation there even though he wasn't a soldier himself just someone a resident that wanted to stay and do what he could to help uh, with the situation. Um, but uh, these people, one uh, woman said that uh, I asked her, okay, is it a good thing or a bad thing that Russia it controls Avdivka now? She says it's a great thing because Avdivka has always been Russia and should always be Russia. And I spoke to them about the referendum that took place in 2014, just like here in Donetsk and the other parts of Donbass, to break away from Ukraine. And they said they had the referendum in uh, they voted to break away, but Ukraine would not let them. Ukraine was, uh, uh, as they put it, unfortunately able to maintain control of uh, uh, of Divka. Um, but uh, you know they see things are changing uh, now, and they're looking forward. Uh, obviously, many of them have lost everything they have. Um, but I even saw uh, some people with animals, dogs and cats being uh, uh, evacuated, helped by Russian forces. This center was just basically a center set up that um, was made to assist these refugees in anything they might need. Just a place to rest. There was beds. Um, uh, place to take care of any document situation that might be uh, needed, call their families. And I mean, several people I talked was uh, with them as they were calling their families and telling them they were still alive for the first time in months. Um, so uh, it seems Russian forces are doing what they can to help these people move on because obviously all of them can't stay in is left of, of Divka now, unfortunately. Um, but as I said, it seems there's still intense fighting going on in and around of Divka. I haven't myself made it into the city yet. I'm hoping in the next two days to make it in. But as you can understand, this is the hottest part of the war and the most uh, in, intense uh, area. So it's, it, it, it's, even though I've been here for so long, it's still a little bit of a challenge to make sure you do everything safe and do it the right way. Um, but uh, people are getting out. Soldiers are going in. And uh, there's no question that this is a point, is, as far as it seems to me, right now is a point that Russia is putting it into high gear. Um, I mean, they... Maybe this is a huge win for them taking uh, Abdivka. And even today, there is a uh, village uh, not far from uh, Medeinka in the southern parts of uh, Donetsk that has just this afternoon been taken control of, reports say, by Russian forces. It's called Pebeda, or Victory, is what the village is called, near Meryinka. Um, and reports just in the last 45 minutes are coming out that Russia has taken control of that village. Um, and through the grapevine, I'm hearing that uh, Russia is pushing harder in uh, many other directions. I've... Uh, 
been uh, told that Russia is taking territory in the Zaporozhye area and other areas. And there's even talk of a new serious uh, offensive or push uh, to the north. Um, I think only time will tell uh, if Russia decides to push hard in the uh, Kharkov direction. But it seems like this might be a turning point, you could say, um, in the war. Russia's been, I don't want to say sleeping, but obviously we know things have been going very slowly, a lot slower than ha has been expected before. Um, but things seem to be changing this week. Everything is going in a little bit in fast forward to compared to what, how it was in the last months and weeks. I mean, you, you've been to the area around Avdevka before. You came under fire, I seem to remember, there at an earlier stage in the war. I, I seem to remember you telling us what an incredibly heavily fortified position it was. So, I mean, when you say that it's a you know, big victory for them, I mean, they've broken this very difficult fortified position. Have you been able to speak to any of the soldiers? How do they feel about what's happening? Russian well, yes. As far as the the fortified uh, area in and around of Divka, this was really a fortress, you could call it, because they um, Ukrainian forces had eight years from 2014 in, until 2022 to fortify their positions in and around of Divka uh, with literally concrete. I mean, it's not like a lot of the other. Um, positions and new positions who you know the, the made of wood and dirt I mean the, these positions in and around Evdivka poured concrete I mean literal concrete bunkers and um, Russia has uh, taken control of all of these and it literally made the distance between the center of Donetsk, it used to be about 8 to 12 uh, kilometers to Ukrainian uh, territory. Now it's about 12, 20 to 25 uh, kilometers from the center of Donetsk to um, Ukrainian territory. Now, unfortunately, with these Western-supplied weapons, Ukraine can still hit the center of uh, Donetsk like they've been doing every day this week, as you could you know, imagine somewhat of a revenge, you could say, uh, for uh, uh, Russia taking of Divka. Just last night, I um, went to the main hospital in center Donetsk. It's the name of it, Kalinina, and a uh, rocket had hit the, thank goodness it was the laboratory department, and particularly the um, ultrasound room. And I say thank goodness because in this area, there's no sick people laying all night and, um, you know, it was basically an empty uh, department in, in the evening. Just a few nurses. Unfortunately, one was injured, but I believe she's going to make it. Um, and the, no, um, no other people were injured. So that's great. But this rocket purportedly and as I understand and what I could observe myself it, it seems to be a Czech uh, Republic supplied uh, vampire uh, rockets now these are 122 millimeters which are the same as the Soviet made grad rockets but a little bit different um, a little heavier and a longer range over 40 kilometer uh, range and that's why they're able to uh, hit the center because of these Western supplied weapons and then just 
day before yesterday, um, in the morning, uh, a 155-millimeter Western-supplied uh, artillery shell hit a crosswalk in the center of Donetsk. And I, I was there just after it happened. Unfortunately, it killed uh, two people, injured five and uh, it was on this crosswalk right next to a pizza parlor. And the pizza parlor and the crosswalk took most of the damage. And behind that was the Minister of Education's uh, uh, building. I mean, Minister of Education, is that really something that should be targeted? Just like uh, should a pizza parlor or a crosswalk be targeted? No. Um, and there was also a kindergarten. Luckily now, they uh, in, in Donetsk, it's all distance learning, so there was no one at the kindergarten, and but it was hit as well. And then just as I had come back uh, from filming the crosswalk where unfortunately the people lost their lives, uh, I just got back to this uh, apartment here and heard two huge explosions. I looked out my window and just saw uh, black smoke rising. So I threw my... Uh, uh, armor back on and ran uh, to the smoke and uh, found two craters of um, a HIMARS rockets, Un United States supplied HIMARS rockets that hit just on the edges of the building of the city library. Um, I mean, just literally on both sides, mist hitting the, the building itself by inches. Um, and, you know, HIMARS are very precision. You don't miss it by that much, but there's no question that these were aimed at the city library. And in my reports, I filmed through the library, no, no military around. I mean, these are just uh, civilian targets being hammered by Ukraine using uh, Western supplied uh, weapons. It just what, Western tax dollars killing and maiming people on the streets of uh, Donetsk, literally on the streets. I filmed a dead woman who was dead on the street right in the middle of a crosswalk because of the tax, U.S. tax dollars that are given to Ukraine to kill the civilians here in Donetsk. I mean, I mean this is absolutely terrible. It's been going on for, what, eight years now, nine years? And uh, on May 26th, it'll be 10 years. 10 years. I mean, the thing is, it is savage and brutal, but it also seems somehow pointless. I mean, you know, what does Ukraine think? We've discussed this many times. What is Ukraine? Why is Ukraine doing this? Uh, it, it's, it makes very little sense to me from a military. I mean, I can't see any military logic in this at all. I mean, to all intents and purposes, it's a war crime. So why do they do it? Why does the West let them do it? Why does the West go on supplying weapons that enable them to do it? Patrick, I think this is a rhetorical question because it's the kind of question we can only get an answer to from people like Zelensky and Zeluzhny and Sirsky and Western leaders. But, I mean, it's still a question that always is there for me. I mean, do they want to see these people killed? What is the purpose of killing, especially at this time, well, point in the war? I think the better people to answer that question is the locals that live under it. And that's what I asked them. I asked them the same thing. If there's Because no, they tell me there's no military uh, targets near here. And I say, okay, well, if there's no military targets, why is Ukraine firing here? And they say it's to terrorize them and to kill them. Um, they... 
they say this whole story of that Ukraine and Kiev gives to the West about trying to protect its people is just not the truth. They just want the land. They don't want the people here. They want the land. That's this is the words of the locals, not my words. What about the soldiers? I asked him about the soldiers. Were you able to speak to any Russian soldiers or are they under very strict orders not to talk about well, uh, this um, operation? I mean, yeah, there's a, I haven't had a chance this week to get to the front uh, since the um, the taking of Avdivka, but I've offline talked to a, a few uh, soldiers and you can tell the mora morale is definitely up. Um, I mean, this is just such a, a symbolic and strategic uh, win for them with Evdivka. Uh, I mean, and they view this as a change in the tide and not even really tide. I mean, Ukraine wasn't winning before, but now it's like they feel like they've given been given the go-ahead from uh, Putin or uh, Moscow or however you want to say it to move and that's what seems to be happening is the push is on right and what about I mean we're getting all these reports in the west about massive Russian losses in capturing Avdevka have you heard anything any sign of that are the hospitals in Donetsk city full of um, injured or dying Russian soldiers have you heard any rumors to this effect I, I ask this question because it, it doesn't seem to me consistent with what I'm hearing from the battle lines. But, you know, have you any information about that? Um, well, I could say all the time, you know, um, you know, it's a war. So there is uh, injured uh, soldiers and civilians that you do see occasionally. But I can say in the last weeks, I see no difference in uh, in than how it had been before. No extreme increase, uh, just from my eyes, seeing things on the street. I mean, every once in a while, you'll see uh, a military uh, ambulance or something like that, but no no difference, just the norm still. And the day before yesterday, I was in the main hospital, the main trauma hospital uh, here in Donetsk, interviewing the uh, head of surgery and the, the deputy director of the trauma hospital about the injuries from that day. And going through the hospital and speaking with him, I saw no remnants of uh, military uh, soldiers at all. Can I just, tell me about the mood in Donetsk? Obviously, they're still being belt bombed. They're still being shelled. I'm sure they know that simply capturing Avdevka itself is not going to mean the shelling and the bombing ends. But was there a sense of elation? Was there a sense of relief? You said that the Ukrainians were only 12 kilometers away. Now they're further. I mean, how did they feel about this? People in Donetsk City feel about this. Well, I think at first, last last weekend, last early this week, um, there was a little bit of a re hope of a relief um, because before a lot of the shelling on the city has been coming from Avdivka, as we know. Um, so people were really hoping that that would mean the, sh the center of Donetsk would not be under shelling anymore. But it seems like Ukraine kind of made it a point to use these longer range uh, uh, weapons, 
just to say, ah, 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 we can still hit hit you in the center. Don't get too excited. And so I think that kind of brought down a little bit of the morale of the people. And that's what Ukraine wanted to do. Um, so in that sense, they somewhat succeeded. They had to kill some civilians and hit a library with United States supplied uh, rockets. But you know, if that's what they were going for, it might have been a little bit of a, uh, 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 you know, a plus uh, for them as far as terrorizing the civilians. Um, but it, all it really did is now, instead of coming from the direction of uh, of Divka, it's a little bit over uh, to the uh, west. And I mean, we can see that in my report from last night. I used a compass to show exactly the direction from the Kalinina hospital at 273 uh, degrees. And that's where they're firing from now. Um, and as far as the, there was one woman that I met at the crosswalk where the people were killed and so many were injured. Uh, she said that she wishes she could take up a weapon and fight the Ukrainians herself because they've been living under this for 10 years. How, how how much can they live under it? They just want it to be over. They want Ukraine to stop killing their families. What about the civilians from Avdevka themselves? I mean, they must have had very, very close contact with the Ukrainian military who was there around them. I mean, what were they, did they discuss at all, their interactions with the Ukrainian military? I mean, the Ukrainians are shelling Donetsk City and at the same time, there are, you know, these people around them. Were people afraid of them? How did the Ukrainians act towards them? Well, I can say all of the people I uh, met, they weren't very positive for the Ukrainian uh, forces. And uh, one particular said that at one point, um, Ukrainian forces came to a building that where uh, people were in the uh, the shelter in the basement underneath, uh, counted the people, and then as soon as uh, they left, several hours later, something like this, the building was uh, heavily uh, hit with shells, and many people lost their lives. And they blamed it on the Ukrainians for doing that. And another said how they. Um, were aware of a situation where uh, Ukrainian forces executed several civilians. Now, this is not my words. This is coming from the people that were at Devka, uh, Divka this morning. Um, and all this will be on my report in the next day or so, uh, so people can, you know, watch and, uh, you know, think for themselves what they want to uh, uh, look at and what they don't want to hear. Did they tell you anything about the battle and about what happened at the end? I mean, we're getting all these reports, even the U.S. media is now covering them, that the Ukrainians, that the, the morale collapsed and that the Ukrainians fled, that it was a disorganized and chaotic retreat from Avdevka. Is, is this, I mean, have you heard the civilians discuss this? Did it look to them like an organized withdrawal or a chaotic one? Or is this something that, as civilians, they're not really in a position to comment about? Well, it, it, honestly, they were just, it, we tried to get it into that more, but they were just so, they said they were just so scared and hiding, uh, you know, and this is what I've seen. I've been in so many uh, villages, towns, and cities that had just taken, been changed hands. And most of the time, these civilians, they're, they're sitting in a basement somewhere, and then they get a knock on the door. 
and they're not sure which side it is. And they just have to open the door and hope it's not someone that's going to shoot them. Um, so Patrick, yeah, it's hard, hard for them to tell. I mean, you, you, you know Donetsk, you know Avdevka, you've been to this area as well. I mean, could people in Donetsk City hear the battle? I mean, it's only 12 kilometers away, all these bombs falling, all this shelling. Was it something that people were physically conscious of, that there was this battle going on very near to Donetsk City? The, the 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 sound of war and shelling never stops in Donetsk. Uh, I mean, in the last 24 hours, I've been uh, here and I don't think five minutes have gone by and not heard uh, explosions in the distance. Um, so, I mean, it, it, and it's not necessarily just uh, of Divka. I mean, it's sometimes atmospherics are a little bit better, so you even hear it farther. But I mean, there's constants. You know, exchanges here and there. I mean, this this week, it's it's been very loud in Donetsk. Um, yeah, and I mean, and on and off all the time. Right. I mean, Avdevka is only one place. Um, Marinka, which we talked about a short time ago, that's also been captured. I believe I'm right in saying that the Russians captured another place called Pesky, um, some about actually about a year and a half ago. So uh, these places near Donetsk City, they're being taken one by one by one. Um, which are the other places near Donetsk City where the shelling comes from and which we need to be aware of? Well, to the west, directly to the west of Donetsk City, that's where... Uh, it's more open territory of uh, open Ukrainian territory. I mean, Marienka, which it was down in a pocket kind of to the southwest, Evdivka northwest. Um, so, but the the western side of Donetsk is is more open Ukrainian territory. So that's, but it, but that's also more rural um, territory. So it's going to be a slow push, I believe. And possibly also they're going to try to uh, close a, a cauldron, as they uh, call it there as well. But time will tell, you know, how, how their military tactics play out. But um, hopefully soon shelling will stop hitting the city of Donetsk. I mean, two years ago, uh, almost exactly two years ago, Saturday, it'll be two years since the, this uh, uh, operation uh, started. I I did a, a, a small video on my channel thinking that that would be the last day that uh, Donetsk was a frontline city. And boy, was I wrong. And so was a lot of other people. Um, yeah, absolutely. But uh, we'll have to see. Time tells. Right. Um, now, as I said, I mean, we're not trying to second guess. But do you think the Russians will focus principally around Donetsk? I mean, they seem to have a lot of forces concentrated there now. And are people talking about, you know, the, we're told that the general who was in charge was a man called Mordvichev. Do people talk about him? I mean, what are the feelings about him if they do? No, I, I, I you know, it's kind of, you know, too many, too many steps away from the, the locals here. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of soldiers uh, around, but I mean... This is really a, an overall game, a big game. And I mean, I, I see if this is the 
a, a moving point or a pushing point or an assault point, things are going to be going across the line, every, all from uh, uh, Kharkov to uh, her son. And then, of course, we've got the election coming very soon. So we're going to have to see um, how, how that goes. And also, Ukraine's theme uh, for the last years has been to make uh, a point on holidays, Russian holidays. Now, tomorrow's um, the Day of the Defender. It's kind of, it almost seems to me like something like a combination of the West, maybe Veterans Day combined with Father's Day, it just something like that mixed together. So unfortunately, I would expect that Ukraine is going to launch a big attack on uh, Donetsk in many different locations tomorrow, as they do every day. But I think that'll be, uh, I mean, I hope not. I hope I pray I'm wrong. But I think tomorrow there's going to be some really problems in Donetsk because everybody's off work and many people are going to be barbecuing. It's a tradition. It's almost like the first uh, barbecue of the year for many people here. And then the day after, we've got the two-year anniversary of the operation. Um, and so the next two days might be pretty uh, heavy here in Donetsk. We'll have to see. I'll be here to cover it if it is. Um, and we'll just go from there. I, I've just won... I just one last question, which I was going to ask you about the election. I mean, we're now actually get drawing close. I mean, if you follow Putin, he's clearly campaigning. I mean, he's going to Kazan, he's going to all of these places. Any possibility, do you think, that he might come to Donbass? Um, well, I would think no, but he surprised us before. I mean, I think it was last year he went to Mariupol, just spirit of the moment. Um, so, you know, it's a possibility, but <laughs> I don't think anybody will know until after it happened, that's for sure. <laughs> no, okay. uh, and do you see much sign of the election in Donbass? I mean, you know, election materials being distributed, posters, that kind of thing. Is this something that people everywhere, are interested everywhere. in? Everywhere, everywhere. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. I, they're gearing up for the election here uh, in all of the four uh, regions, Zaporozhye, her son, Donetsk, and Lugansk. And I, of course, I'm going to be here uh, reporting on that. My plan, I'm going to try to hit all four regions. Um, but, you know, it's the three-day election. It's kind of hard to hit all the spots, but I'm going to do my best. Uh, I plan on starting in Lugansk and just moving south. Uh, but we'll have to see how far I can get. I'll at least get three of the four. That's, uh, during the referendum before I tried to get all four, I made three. So we'll see if I break my record this time. <laughs> and, and this will be the first time that they vote in a Russian presidential election for the Russian president. Yes, yes. Who they've now they've been president. able to vote in Russian election last year, but this will be the first presidential election. So it's a it's a new stepping stone for the Russian people here. Excellent. And um, it'll be the first time they'll be able to vote for Putin, assuming that's what they want to do. <laughs> yeah, that, that is the, the general overall consensus. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, I, I, I've, that's my, that's my uh, questions, Patrick. Is there anything you want to tell us uh, beyond what I've asked? Um, you know, just uh, like I said, I'm glad you're uh, helping me show your viewers what's happening here. It's greatly appreciated. And for your viewers, uh, you know, like I say in my reports, you know, do as much as you can to get as much information on the, this situation here. Don't just watch one side. Watch as many sources as possible. Watch the, uh, the Ukrainian uh, 
uh, reports, Western, the Russian, watch my reports. Don't just watch my reports. Don't just watch your reports because we can't show everything because we don't know everything. The uh, other sources don't show everything because they can't or they don't want to show everything. Um, so get a little bit from every side you can and educate yourself. Don't just be led by the uh, mainstream media like sheep. You know, think for yourself. Indeed. And, uh, and Thank of you. course, you can always see my reports on my YouTube channel, Patrick Lancaster News Today, which will be in the description. And, um, um, yeah, let's show the world together what's happening. Absolutely. Patrick Lancaster, thank, thank you. you very much. An invaluable reporter from the, from the region itself. Thank you very thank much, you, guys. I appreciate being on, as usual.